Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Big Deck Energy. We are back after a two-year hiatus. I'm Allie. I am Scala. And we are officially back. Uh, we are here to tell you that we've been up to a lot over the past two years. Um, personally, obviously, we've been busy with work. Life gets in the way as it goes. Uh, but we have still been gaming. We've still been hanging out. We've been up to lots of different things the last time that we were doing this. Uh, we were just playing Dungeons and Dragons. We were just getting into gaming. And since then, we have been doing a lot. We've been on Discord, running play-by-post games, uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, obviously, Vampire the Masquerade, um, pretty much everything under the sun. We've tried Fate and lots and lots of other games. And... Um, obviously, we keep playing our board games and Game of Thrones, still strong in our hearts, the card game. So, Scala, what have you been up to? Uh, I'm finally DMing my first game after two years, thanks to Allie and teaching me everything she knows. Uh, that one is for a RPG system called Burning Wheel, which you could, I guess we go over social media now, you could catch on our YouTube channel, uh, the Big Deck Energy, but you could also search it by The Burning Table. Uh, we're on Twitter at Big Deck Energy underscore and Instagram. Instagram under Big Deck Energy Podcast. And from there, um, if you join our or if you look us up on YouTube, you'll be able to join our Discord um, and we'll have links to that. They'll stay active. So if you want to get in touch with us at all, that's how you'll do it. Um, we'll put links everywhere we can for that. Discord's a little finicky. We can't link it on Instagram and Twitter as easily. So mm. you'll have to go through YouTube for that one. So I guess we just jump right into today's topic now that we're back. And there's really no reason for us to be on hiatus anymore. So there we go. Yeah, with the pandy. You know, we have a pl- <laughs> we have plenty of time to be doing this. The pandy. <laughs> it just sounds less intimidating when you, you say You also can't the pandy. say the word. You can't. Yeah. That's... You get blocked everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, you can't say the word. All right, so, yeah. You could say the roni. The roni or the pandy (laughs) is what we'll refer to. (laughs) Don't imagine it'll come up too much, though. I like the word roni, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little closer to pandy, I don't know. (laughs) We can debate about that later. (laughs) Um, So, I guess let's talk with Scala brought up that he is DMing officially now. So, we are playing a game called The Burning Wheel. It is a very uncommon, not popular game. Sorry, Burning Wheel, if you're watching this, all 1,000 people that play it. <laughs> um, it is a great RPG system, though. And, Scott, you want to talk about why it's so good real quick before we jump into the topic? Yeah. Uh, to me, the reason I love Burning Wheel is it's it's really open-ended and it's role-play heavy. Uh for me, a, a lot of the fun that comes into uh, like strategy and role-playing games comes from the critical thinking aspect of it. And in order to have that for the players, you you know their decisions need to matter. Uh, it can't be kind of like a linear thing where it's just, okay, well, I need them to get to this point, so I need to force them in this direction. Uh, it's, it's more about building their characters. And uh, the other thing with Burning Wheel is how your character starts isn't necessarily and usually never where it ends up. So you have things like beliefs, which will change throughout the story. And the other great part is it's not just me creating a world, it's us creating a world together. And you're, it's really just telling a story. 
Well, Scala, if there was ever a segue, I would say that that's one. Yes, so, for our topic today. Yeah, the game is super collaborative. And over the process of learning how to play the game, we decided that we would all work together, which is part of the story. But I would argue we're doing it more than probably most people do. Where we're really involving all of the players, including or the DM is including all the players Yes. Um, in creating this world. So we thought we would talk about world building and not particularly just burning wheel we're just going to be using that as our example considering that's our most our recent most recent yeah. endeavor but it's super important uh we think to talk about because if you ever dm you create a world whether you're running a campaign that is already written or you're writing your own and you're sandboxing it um understanding and creating your world are kind of the basis of starting a game yeah, and it's also going to determine how long your players stay in the game. So if you don't have, and I think we touched on this in our first episode, if I remember, uh, if you don't have an interesting world and kind of story to tell, uh, they're not going to pour too much into their characters. They're not going to be able to follow the story as well. I have a terrible memory. Uh, you do. Yeah. Allie correct. knows about. I, I literally forgot my own birthday one year. Don't ask me how. Also correct. Yeah. Uh, so... So for somebody like me, I, I need an intriguing story. So one of my, uh, you know, first experiences with anything like that, like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, was with Allie. And I, the main thing I remember from that was there was so much back information, and there was there was maps, there was illustrations, there was music for like every scene. It was so detailed, and uh, for me, that definitely helped me kind of remember everything and uh, get a little more comfortable with it. Because I mean, that's. You know, the, the weirdest part about RPGs when you first start off, especially with like Dungeons and Dragons, is kind of coming outside of yourself and pretending to be somebody else. For sure. Um, and I think that having an in-depth world that's fleshed out allows people to explore that world. And like you said, their characters become invested in it because they need to explore the world because you're giving them something to look for. Now... Mm -hmm. Does that mean that the entire world is fleshed out from top to bottom? Absolutely not. Absolutely. There's there's been times I think it happens at least once an episode where something comes up I didn't think about and I have to think on the fly and kind of be like, "All right, well, story's going in a different direction now. Uh what comes up?" So, uh one of the ways I counteract and I think this is an important part of world building is try to have as many like, you know, think about all the different options that are out there and kind of you don't need to have it completely ironed out and fleshed out, but you need to have an idea of like, all right, well, how would this uh, NPC react to this situation? Or, you know, what would happen in this world? And that's why the world creation, the world building is so important because if you don't have that structure of kind of the politics, the religion, you know, all that stuff, the, you know, the ruling families, if there are ruling families, the time period, the technology that's accessible. Uh, yet one of the things that, uh, I guess an on-the-fly thing that happened with Burning Wheel was, you want to talk about Isle de Proct? Oh, yeah. Kind of technology. So I have a character that is, um, so in this Burning Wheel game, I play a character. Her name is Thea Coppervon. She's the best. <laughs> um, she's got, you know, she's a little, she's a little much, but um, she is from a area that is not where the game takes place. It's supposed to be, this area is supposed to be really hard to get to. So there's these questions of how could this character possibly be here why is she here? And all of these sort of led to what 
does she know and what doesn't she know? Obviously, the beliefs and the culture are very different. And I one time jokingly made a joke about indoor plumbing um, because the other two characters were picking on me. And I was like, well, you don't even have indoor plumbing. And then I went and I ran with it um, because we didn't completely have the island flushed out. We knew that we wanted it to be a little bit higher technology. We just didn't know to what extent because we weren't at the island yet so there was no reason and my character is super guarded so you would never know if she was telling the truth or not so it mm. didn't matter so much um but that one moment sparked an entire world building episode of not episode but a conversation between us um so we decided to make it like a steampunk area don't tell our other players they don't know all this information yet <laughs> um, we decided to make it a super steampunk area and we actually did give it a lot of technology that you typically don't see in those mid like fantasy level games um so yeah and how does that happen uh well you have an idea so once i knew that i wanted it to be steampunk and i knew that there was technology i knew that whatever i threw in there I could kind of make work if I was creating within these boundaries that Scala sort of talked about. Um, you know, we knew that there weren't cell phones and we knew that there weren't computers and there wasn't obviously electronic technology. So as long as I stayed within those, yeah, exactly. you know, and then we sort of played off of each other. Um, he made up some fruit that I had no idea about that existed <laughs> in my land, but said that it gave us energy. And I was like, oh, well, we work a lot over there, so we use it as like an energy drink. Um, so I think back to your point is you need to know the parameters that you set up and you don't need to know the details yeah. of the world as much as you need to know the rules of the world, right? You need to know exactly. what exists, what doesn't exist, where are the limits. Um, like you said, the ruling families, the religions, the things that make up a society. I don't know the ins and out of New Jersey. I couldn't tell you every single part of New Jersey, but I do know the general laws of New Jersey and what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, you just taught me about the, uh, what was it, the street sign thing or the light poles, how to know what town you're oh, in. Oh, yes. Fun fact, if you want to know what town you're in, I don't know if it's in other states, but there's like initials on street lamps and or uh, I guess not street lamps, well, like electric. Yeah, telephone. Telephone poles, yeah, that yeah. thing. Telephone poles. <laughs> it tells you what uh, town you're in, see? So you didn't know that. No I could have made that up. Yep, and lived in Jersey my whole life. Nope. Uh, yeah, so to me, I think... Uh, you, you have to start with a, a concept, which for us was uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, I love the world of game. And I'm not one of those people who got into Game of Thrones when it first came about. It was more of, uh, you know, I watched one episode. I was like, all right, so you introduced me to 30 characters. I'm not going to remember any of them. And I don't care about any of them. And it's, it was just way too. And everyone dies. Like, why? Yeah, exactly. Like... It was way too. And I'm, I'm not really in. I wasn't really into uh, high fantasy at the time either. I wasn't exposed to that yet, so I got into it relatively late. Um, Are you into high fantasy yet? It's you know, <laughs> you know the thing with me, I it doesn't bother me because well, Allie knows I have a thing with like orcs and stuff <laughs> like that, where it's just once you cross There's a certain too line, high fantasy for him. exactly. It needs to be realistic to me. Like I I need to feel like um, it's something that could happen, not necessarily in the real world. Obviously, like dragons aren't coming around anytime soon. But how would humans react to dragons? That's in, that's important, and I want that to be realistic. Well, there's something that you can relate because you can relate to humans. Even if this weird thing happened, you relate to a human who might see a dragon. It would be like a human seeing a dinosaur. Exactly. It'll never happen, but you can imagine what that would if be like. If it did, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what kind of pulled me into uh, Game of Thrones. So 
you got pulled into Game of Thrones. That was years mm-hmm. ago. Um, I also got pulled into Game of Thrones when we were working together. I think you peer pressured me, if I'm correct. Yes, I did. I definitely yes. did. Yeah. Uh, we worked every shift together, and you were like, well, we need to talk about this, because I watch it all the time. And I was like, oh, eh, I don't know about that. But uh, we watched it, and it has spiraled out of control from there. We play lots of games because of it. But let's talk about why Game of Thrones inspired you to run Burning Wheel. Or how, I guess, it inspired you uh, yeah, to run so Burning Wheel. Yeah, the, so the main reason is I decided, you know, I have to... I have to put my other foot down and kind of dm because ali literally dms everything like she never really gets to play <laughs> it's true games yeah. that i'm involved in at least in like our friend group yeah so i wanted to get Good. into that but you know it had to be to me it had to be game of thrones because I, I knew the most about the world and i, I like that time period uh even like historically speaking you know ev- everything like medieval stuff like that interests me so um I looked around at, you know, Reddit, everything, everything told me that you can't really do it with things like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. It's just not right. It's very for structured. The, that's why yeah, there's exactly, no, exactly. yeah, there's no, not that there's no room for creativity because there is. Yeah. People but do it all the time. It's but, very structured. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's very much class classes, yeah. you know, and those classes don't exist in. Not even close. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? Exactly. Like you could have magic, but you're not like a wizard. There's no wizard in. No, not in the, especially in the traditional Unless everyone's going to be yeah. like Melisandre. Exactly. And I, even then she's like sorcerer, cleric maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. depends. Yeah, technically, that's a hard I don't one. know, cultist? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I ended up stumbling across uh, the burning, the burning wheel system and I read through it and it was so open-ended and kind of. You know, one of the most interesting things about it to me was that your age, like what you do matters because it it changes your age, right? Like I, I didn't see any other system that kind of did that yeah. where it's, you know, like, all right, if you're born peasant or you're born noble, it's it's, it's different. You know, all right, you take this life path. It's going to be eight it, years. Of it your adds life. eight years to your life. Yep. And then, all right, well, I want to be a noble. It's like, all right, well, that's another 10 years. And, you know, I, I saw when I was creating NPCs, you know, like one of them ended up being like 85 years old. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, well. You know, he's not going to be around for long, so I'm, I probably have to adjust the life paths and stuff like that. I wanted to add something to Thea. I wanted to like give her like lady in waiting type mm-hmm. of thing. It's like ten years. I was like, well, I don't want her to be like in her forties. So exactly. Yeah. So it's it's really open ended, but it's also it you know it gives you that structure. It makes it a little more realistic when you have to think about those type of things. And again, even stuff like uh, beliefs, all that fits in really well with the Game of Thrones Westeros type world. Because it, if you watch the show or you read the books, you know the characters are constantly changing. There's not really uh, good or bad guys per se, and I feel the same way about our campaign. You know, there's there's <laughs> NPCs, there's characters, but you know, there's sometimes I'm just like, oh my god, Thayet, what the fuck did you have to do that? Or you know, right. like Norlo and does it, but that's that's the interesting part. It's it makes it realistic, you know. So we got our concept from Game of Thrones, right? That's how we found the game. Yes. So let's talk a little bit how we did some world building because this was the first time I think start to finish that the four of us collectively um, and if you guys don't know we do have two other people that we work on this with um, check out YouTube so you can meet them. Yes. <laughs> um, the four of us sat down and it was truly a collaborative process. So. I guess we'll start from the beginning and kind of talk about what we did. That'll help you guys sort of flesh out your world because I do think that there's no 
there's no exact answer. Uh, we're still no. working on how to flesh out certain parts of our world that are unexplored yet. And um, as our characters make choices, we are changing things in the world because yeah. it works better. Um, so from the beginning, we knew we wanted a Westeros styled game. Campaign. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, intrigue heavy type of stuff. Yes. Yep. Yes. We were very much wanted to get away from combat. Um, yeah. And not that we wouldn't have combat, but we didn't want it to be like the forefront of what our characters we do- were doing. We wanted to make them socially interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do have a character who is combat heavy. Who yeah, is, and his character is great. But, is um, great. It's yeah. more about the thing that makes that character great isn't the fact that he has fights. It's kind of his life path and his back. He's got and the a great reason backstory. He fights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, so ground up, we had that as a very basic, basic concept. And I think that's a good place to start. I think understanding what type of setting you want uh, yes. is the place to start. You know, do you want something that is... And when we say world building, it's also the type of game you want to run, right? Not just physically what does the world look like it's uh what do you want to run do you want to run something intrigue heavy do you want to run something combat heavy because your world building process is much different if you're running a combat heavy game because your world is in turmoil yeah that's the best way to do a combat if you want to if you want to combat heavy you need to have kind of that conflict conflict already in place in the world you need a height of conflict where if you're running an intrigue game you're either declining from conflict or you're building up to conflict Which in our game is sort of both because we decided it would be really cool if we had a big conflict. And that's actually where we started. We said, we want this conflict. Where do we want our characters to start before, after the conflict or during? And we knew we didn't want it during because we didn't want combat. Yeah, we didn't want to start off the campaign. I I actually forgot that. That's kind of the first thing we talked about was the actual, uh, the conflict that was going to kind of happen in it. I remember joking and saying, well, I want to own a dragon. And then it happened. And <laughs> that's sort of how we started on the dragon thing, though. And it's something as simple as that. Think about the things that you want in your game. And it doesn't have to be these grandiose ideas. It can be something as yeah. simple as, like, I wanted a dragon in the game. And I was like, I also want dragons in the game. And then we decided we wanted low magic in the game. We didn't want to be able to just get super overpowered by learning a bunch of spells. So check mark right at the beginning exactly um and one of the uh the burning wheel campaigns i kind of watched to get me used to the system uh one of the phrases the dm uses a lot is uh well what would that look like and that really interested me because the more i thought about it, i was like that works for us because you know it, it's i'm not saying no to anything right like what, whatever world we're gonna build it, that's how it's gonna be and i don't want to be you know, it's, it's more about just saying, all right, how does that fit into our world? And that's what does that look like? That's what it means to me. Um, and again, we do a lot of things. We build the world in character a lot, which I don't think you could you should probably do with every group. Uh, Ali just has a shitload <laughs> of experience with this type of stuff. And, you know, Mitch always has interesting character. Like I always love his character. Yeah, Sarah's he, an actual writer. So yeah, Sarah's yeah. a writer. Mitch always has interesting characters and I think on the fly really fast. So it's a good combination of players that we've kind of settled with. Yeah. And it kind of, and 
we we literally build the world during episodes sometimes. Yeah, because sometimes you just don't have the answers, and that's okay. Um, so we started with conflict. We started with dragons. We started yeah. with no magic. Yeah, we said no. Yeah, then, pretty much no magic. Because uh, a lot, and that's the other thing. You don't like uh, Ali said before. You don't need to have everything set in stone. So you know, uh, I think Sarah's character had some, something to do with magic she had ideas and i was like okay well she wanted magic and so we all agreed that she would mm-hmm. have it to a degree it just wouldn't be like a D type of magic where she was yes. slinging spells you know exactly and that's to me and nothing against obviously D or the spells or anything uh, i feel like i have to keep saying that um it's the same thing with combat is it, it just gives you like almost an answer key of things to do and right. we we didn't want that. We we want you know we want to be thinking about all right. What would this character actually do if I was this character? You know what's the next step? What do I want to do? Like what's my ultimate right. goal? How do I feel about this NPC or this other player? I you know they, they didn't even start off together. The, no. the whole party they were they all had their separate kind of scenes. Uh, yeah, we didn't meet Sarah until the second episode. I think, yes, episode two. Yeah. But that's hours of gameplay when you think about it, though. I mean, Mitch yeah. and I didn't meet until the end of the first game. And then the second one, we didn't meet till the end of the second one with Sarah. So, yep. you know, we could have gone a whole campaign without even seeing each other. If we really, I mean, exactly. if we really wanted to. That's the other thing. It's, it's, we do it as almost like you're writing a book or doing like a TV series. Chapters. Yeah, chapters. I think even in the actual, um, system the yeah the burning wheel system i think it refers to like scenes as opposed to or something like yeah. that so they give you the idea of your kind of you know setting yeah you're not stuck in this sort of like uh literal sense of like oh and you wake up and you go to bed and you wake up like you don't you we're not role-playing all of that stuff out yeah so um all right what was our next point of world building and I think that a really good point to start with is most societies, fictional and real, are based on religion and politics. Yes. So even if you're not super religious or super political, you do know enough to know that that's sort of how the world works. That's how the world goes around. So So you need something like that in your game that makes sense to the players and makes sense to uh, if you plan on like streaming or anything. It has to make sense to the audience, too. Because you have to remember that, you know, it's it's easy if you're sitting in a room and you're kind of talking about everything and stuff like that. But if yeah. it doesn't make sense, yeah, it's going to be hard to kind of follow. That's my problem with a lot of uh, campaigns that I tried to watch on like YouTube is I just could I didn't understand the world enough to kind of follow the story or end up caring about the characters ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we I think we started more with uh we had a a general story and i mean we're not going to tell you how to write a story and an an idea because it took a lot on our end to go back and forth between what type of story do we want to tell where do we want to tell it uh what what emotions do we want to elicit from our characters all that type of stuff but we sort of took a step back and we started with politics and we decided to link our politics to dragons yeah. That was how it started. We were like, well, what makes us different than D&D and Game of Thrones? And there is a little bit of linking like politics with dragons in Game of Thrones, a little bit with Daenerys. Yeah, just not as upfront in your face as we... Right. Like, for us, it's pretty much like the building blocks for what society is in our campaign yeah. now. You know, like the people in power are in power because 
they were chosen by the dragons and the dragons aren't your typical dragons you know they kind of they have a place in the world in the building yes. of the world as well uh which is definitely something i didn't think would happen in the beginning but i'm happy it did because it's it adds like a whole nother yeah. you know layer of yeah. issues and that was something that we went back and forth a lot about. And world building is not easy and it's not like a clean process by any means. It is, uh, I don't want to say arguing, but especially if you're doing it with a lot of people, it's a lot of opinions that you have to kind of get through and you have to reason. And I thought it was really good to have four people because we all have very, typically Scala and I would side together on a lot of things and Mitch and Sarah would side together yeah. on a lot of, th- just, it's just because of the way that, we think like we have similar opinions on things like that. Um, But it was really good to see like Sarah's point of view on something when I would bring something up and the issues that she had with it and vice versa. I remember um, going back and forth a lot, you and I with Mitch and Sarah about exactly the calamity and the roles that the dragons played in the society where we wanted them to pick people and really be this like intricate process. Mm. Um, where they wanted a more political system where it was like, no, what about these people and who's related is this blood? And it was, it was a lot of going back and forth. Yeah. And um, that's ultimately how we ended up with the system. You know, it was a compromise that we found a middle yeah. ground that worked for all of us. Um, and a big point was you already kind of touched on it a little bit. We had to make it make sense in a society right now. We know that it's a fictional society, of course. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that don't make sense. Like, why are these people dumb enough to think there's only six dragons in the world? I don't know. <laughs> Sounds dumb to me, but, um, you know, you can suspend a little bit of belief. Uh, but yeah. we wanted to make something that if these creatures existed in this world, what would make people believe that this was what it was? Yeah, what would their reaction ultimately right. be if dragons did exist or if it existed for a thousand years and you kind of, you know, what would that do to society? Right. So that's how we started with our political system and uh, it sort of spiraled from there. You know, we pulled a lot from real politics, um, Mm -hmm. not modern politics, of course, much more medieval politics of, uh, I don't even want to give it like a specific type of politics because we pulled a lot from different things, but uh, we used a lot of reasonable pieces from different parts of history really yeah to kind of uh, we used like a bartering system for a little bit for mm-hmm. you know um we focused a lot on like trade and not in physical trade but like trades of people like how can the society give back to one another how do they use each other yeah exactly even down to the dragons having like specific kind of duties things they yeah, oversee. responsibilities um but also a little bit of the you know royal type of not inherently a monarchy because we don't have one ruler but um we that was the, ultimately the conflict yeah is, that was started, the yeah. conflict was we also had some of that was that these people were chosen as royalty by dragons and you know we played into the well why do you just follow people who have dragons and why aren't they questioning it and do people really believe that um and that led into the next part our religion yeah and just <laughs> one more thing about that that's my favorite part about uh, Ali's character, Thea, is she's ultimately playing the audience. Like, she's asking, because she's not from New Sorbia, which is the land uh, the other characters are yeah. from. So she's asking the questions that, like, a regular person would ask. Is like, well, so you guys just believe there's only six drag? Why would you believe that if there's six here? Yeah. 
you know, uh, and again, they're definitely with world building. And when you do run a campaign, um, use that tool, you know, like let them ask questions in character and have your NPC kind of answer or, you know, it's fine to step out of it. But I think if you just kind of go with the flow, you could figure it out in character the same way you can outside of yeah. character. And to that, that's a great tool. Um, ask a question as if you didn't know the answer. Even if you do know the answer, ask the question as if you didn't, you know, as the quote unquote audience member or the new kid from out of town is that ask those questions that seem obvious to you because you wrote the world and you can kind of get lost in what you wrote because it makes sense to you because, you know, you walked through every single part of that process. So, you know, but, you know. Great example. Yeah, my character Thea. And I did it intentionally because I wanted somebody that the audience could relate to. And it's a great way to learn about the world without having to be like, this is our world. This is what New Sorvia is. Please look at this map. Absolutely. Yeah, we wanted a lot of it to happen in game as opposed to, you know, us to like we're, we're going to do things like recaps to make it easier for yeah. people who are just coming into the story. But um, yeah, it, it's lengthy. It's it's a lot of information. Exactly. It's it's just it's a lot more fun when you're doing it. Like the <laughs> characters are learning with you. You know, they're kind of learning about yeah. the world with you. Like, um, tell me, uh, why do I have a baby dragon and you guys are worshiping them? Does that make me royalty? And that that's the other <laughs> aspect of it is it it brings so many different conflicts and ideas and uh, you know, for Ali's character, you know, business opportunities and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. Business. Definitely. So, what was come our, buy some apples? What was our next? Oh, um. So we talked about real. Oh, we're on religion now. Yes. Religion is much more difficult to write, and I highly recommend if you are interested in writing religion or you need some ideas. Um, our third episode of the burning table there is a huge segment about our religion uh the character celia goes into a grandiose explanation of how the uh the church works and all that kind of stuff and that is a huge credit to sarah our player um pretty much wrote the religion top to bottom we decided that dragons were the religion well this Mm. is what they have this is what they worship why wouldn't, you know, they don't have a deity. There's no monarch that worships, you know, a Christian God, for example. Uh, they worship a dragon. So that was kind of what we started with. We said politics dragons, religion dragons. And Sarah decided to play like an acolyte. And yeah. um, she really ran with it. So advice on religion. <laughs> um, Make it make sense. Yeah, I mean... It's definitely fine to pull from real religion. Yeah, You're actual not, religions. Yeah, because Sarah's again, could make a cult. Apparently, yeah. She she technically <laughs> built two religions. Like we we asked her, yeah, do you, you know, it was pretty much kind of just one of those conversations. Like, do you want to take the lead on this stuff like that? Yeah, you're Since gonna it, have to play the religious person, so you do yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. And she created two fully fleshed out religions, like right. in in the matter of days. It was insane. And then we just kind of same thing. We played it out in character where uh, her. You know, Celia ex- explained everything, explained how the religions worked. They had glossed over. Yep. And then uh-huh. that gave me more material that I could <laughs> use to kind of build conflicts in the world and for their yeah. characters and everything. Right. And um, she did a great job with it. Uh, I certainly, you know, that is probably not a strength of mine would be that sort of religion. I think another good point is to know where your strengths are. 
grab. From, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, I that's think, why I didn't I didn't yeah. even want to touch it because I was like, you know yeah. what, I'm gonna end up like either offending somebody or I'm just not gonna be able to. And she I didn't. wouldn't even know where to start with something like that. Yeah, and um, I know that we by we I mean her, but the royal we. Yeah. Um. So just know I mean Sarah in all of this, not us. Um. <laughs> we decided that we wanted to, um do something that would show the values of the people through the religion as well. So I know she did a lot of work with figuring out, um, I can't tell you the exact religion and I wish I had asked her beforehand. Um, but she did a lot of work looking up sort of religions that were about giving and receiving from the earth and making us whole. I oh, know yeah. she took a lot from Latin. I remember that cause yep. I remember vacuum and I was like, that sounds like vacuum. Um, <laughs> So, again, it's super important to pull from real things because you're not going to create something completely on your own. I think it's important to pull things from things that you enjoy. If you enjoy Norse mythology, you should yes. certainly take from that. Um, She's definitely one of my things. So there's a lot of yeah, that that's why in our I said campaign. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it could be something as simple as I, I briefly touched on this once, um, is that I'm super into Disney, which... You know, whatever. Mm. Um, but I pulled a whole campaign inspired by Disney characters. So I think it's fine to pretty much anything. And there is an RPG for everything in the world. Like, Literally everything. You yeah. think of the movie, the TV show, the anime, the book. It exists to some degree. And if it doesn't, then you might as well go make it and yeah, run with especially it. Especially with things like Kickstarter that exist now. Yeah, you know, that didn't sure. exist 10 years ago, let's say. Um yeah, if so, you look something up, you could find almost a Kickstarter right. for anything. So yeah. don't think that you can't just pull from things that you enjoy. Um, this Discord that has come up a lot on our channel and probably on this podcast at some point is uh, a play-by-post server that I run called Magic University. It is literally a ripoff of Harry Potter and the Magicians. Yeah. I mean, it, that's not what it is now. That's not it, what it, it has grew, become. Yeah, but it was. But when we started it, the concept was, well, Harry Potter's kind of young. And we kind of want magic to be dangerous. So put the two together. Make these kids live at this school or teenagers or young adults, I should say. Because everyone's mm -hmm. above 18. 18 plus. Yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> we, we did that. 18 plus. Um, you know, so it's completely fine to pull from things. Some of the best campaigns that I've played in have come from things like Burning Wheel is. And I'm really not saying this because Scott is my DM and could kill me. Um, Burning <laughs> Wheel. The game we're playing is one of my favorite games uh, for all of the reasons that we've already mentioned, but that's a game that got pulled. And granted, it got pulled from a general concept of Game of Thrones. That's yeah. not anywhere near what it is now. There is no hardly anybody that is like Game of Thrones esque, except for like maybe one character. Arwen yeah. is kind of like Tywin, exactly. You know, yeah, like that, kind and that of. was the basis. And he's except one of the first hot. character. Yeah, except he's, <laughs> he's one of the first characters um, that I you created. Wrote. Yeah, and yeah. you wrote him kind of. With the inspiration of Tywin, if I remember, right? Yeah, because that's definitely, I wanted a character who was going to be able to drive the intrigue of the story and right. kind of, you know. And again, even if you watch the story or read the books, I, I never looked at Tywin as a, a bad person or a good person. He was just one yeah. of those people who, you know, it was family first, which is something, you know, right. a big thing. You know, and it's the same thing ultimately with, with Arwen, with a lot of his stuff. And that's the fun part to me is kind of playing that out throughout the story and then kind of saying, and honestly, I have no idea who Arwen will be six months from now or two episodes from now. 
Uh, it's all based well, off of what happens. And, you know, we certainly don't know that. You know what? Yeah. We'll save that one. Yeah. <laughs> don't pull a dagger on his wife. Yes. Do not do that. Um, yeah. So let's see. We went over a concept. Yeah. So world building. Uh, we went over concept, where to pull from. Mm-hmm. We went over politics and religion. Very important. Yes. Uh, collaboration. Yeah. In world building. And I guess the next part we can talk about is not necessarily world building. Oh, and we talked about how to world build on the fly. Oh, yes. Like in session. Yeah. In session. Again, to finish that off, I do think that that, in my opinion, once you have the basis of a world, that's the best place to world build because it comes naturally to your character to say certain things. And if your character feels right saying it, then it's probably right in the world. If it feels like a truth, you should probably add it into your world. Yeah, and that's something that I think also gets easier the more comfortable you are with the group and the the more and you your kind character. of play. Yeah, because you yeah. know, in the beginning, uh, you know, a, a big part for me was even something. I think the hardest thing D and D wise for me was like voice acting type stuff, where like putting on a voice yeah. and then doing that. It's you know, it's really Say uncomfortable. Me instead of my character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that that's. I think it's the hardest part for. A, a lot oh, of people. for everybody. But once you get comfortable with it and you learn to, you know, just kind of separate the two, it's fun. You know, you're, you're kind of asking these questions in character. You're you're learning in character and you're kind of fleshing everything out. And if it's not 100% perfect or it doesn't, you can always go back and, you know, plug something else in that was like, you know, that could be one of the conflicts is somebody calls out it's bullshit. It doesn't make sense. And, and yeah, the, the world comes apart. And you can always change things. I think that's super important to remember is that it is not set in stone. This is not real. I know it pains me as much to say it as anyone else. These characters and these places are not real and they are always changing. And you, if you don't like something, don't be afraid to take it out and rewrite it as long as you can get all of the players and the DM, depending on sort of the situation you're in. Um, Don't be afraid to change things. And I think that's something that I've learned going through my arc of dming and playing and dming and playing and going back and forth and mostly dming is there's things that i've said that after the characters have done something i'm like oh man like it just it just doesn't work it just is not part of the story i want to tell it doesn't work for the people in it Mm -hmm. um i can see there's probably some arguments against that because some people do like sort of the tension that it could create um but if it makes you uncomfortable as either a player or a dm i think it's something that does need to at least be discussed and open for change yeah and that's the see it's easy for us with burning wheel because every session is you know we have those type of discussions um i i don't think it happens as often in things like D, but i it's it ultimately should i i think there there's definitely dms out there who do uh I don't know what it's necessarily called, but they'll ask questions, like kind of reviews, like how do you feel about the story so far? This yeah, is or anything just you want to see. Checking in with your players. Yeah, I think you even did that with uh, Magic. You were like, "Oh, what are you guys looking for?" Yeah, this what are you guys looking for? This is the world. What do you want out of it? What can we change? You know, those types of things. Exactly. So even if you're not built, even as a DM, if you're not building the world with the players, like we're doing, um, a good description is extremely important, and I think that's. That's kind of how you know you have your basis in world building is if if you can't describe your world, then it's not finished yet. Like you're not ready to roll anything out. 100%. I think that's great. A great way to kind of wrap up that sort of concept of world building. Mm -hmm. Um, Characters. Yeah, I I was going to say this is kind of like our next 
part of world building um, mm-hmm. is character building, right? What type of characters and what type of people exist in your world, per se? Yep. Um, and we, well, you kind of touched on it briefly. Uh, you know, Scala's not super into the the super high fantasy stuff. He's not into the orcs and the tieflings and the whatever. I hate orcs. I fucking hate orcs. Although know. you played a cat person. So. I did. I You know, I love, I love cats too, though, so I guess that was my compromise oh yeah so you played a furry but whatever (laughs) it's so much worse when you put it like that well did you have fur i did have fur did you have a tail oh my god what was my character's name uh aquarius uh aqua something or yeah it was something like that aqua claw that's what it was it's still on my computer somewhere i have your sheet i have your sheet um man it's gonna kill me that i can't remember aquarius something aqua claw i don't know Mm -hmm. um characters so uh in world building we also can talk about character building and what it means to make a good fleshed out character right so that's kind of how we're going to round out this world building section um is how to make a fleshed out character so personally what i do and we kind of were talking about this off camera before we started just as we were just like shooting the shit and uh we thought it was super interesting is how do you make a character? Do you do backstory first or do you choose? Now in Burning Wheel, it's a little bit different because there's no class per se. Yeah, your backstory but is But in your, something yeah. like D&D or even VTM where you have to choose a... Yeah, like a clan. Like and, a clan. Yeah. You know, do you choose those things first or do you choose your backstory first? And we actually agreed. Surprisingly, I thought we were going to say different yeah. things. Um but we both agreed that we write backstories before we choose class or clan or whatever that like job type of thing is. Yeah, especially um, if you're new to like role playing games, you want to play a character you're comfortable playing. Right. Uh, your backstory and your personality is going to matter more than what your class is. That that's more your mechanics, you know. And for me, what I've realized is when I do the backstory first, the the character kind of builds itself. I have the yeah. same thing. Like a lot of times people will ask me when I, and you will learn that I play a lot of games. How, how many, how many games? Uh, I just joined another game Jesus. and another play by post. So I'm trying Curse of Strahd tomorrow. So that'll, that'll be fun. You're like close to 20 at this point. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think I counted the other day. I'm in at least like seven or eight play by post. Something like that. It's insane. And I play like, almost every other day of the week sometimes anyway back to the important stuff you'll learn i play a lot of games and every time i join a game so the first question someone always asks is what are you thinking about going and i'm like i don't like i don't know i mean there's obviously and now we'll switch to D D because again there's no classes in burning wheel yeah um there's obviously things i enjoy playing i like bards i like mm-hmm. anything super charismatic um if you haven't been able to tell i like to talk no (laughs) me (laughs) me talk um i like things like that i like spellcasters and i like i don't know like rogue-ish type characters right i was gonna say i was waiting for you to mention rogue well what did i say my my type is roguish uh charlatan that is like the just yeah that is the description of the character i like to play i like to play someone charismatic who also is a little like 
Trixie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I never know going into a game what I want to play unless I have a specific thing for this specific game. Like, oh, I know that I have this great concept for a warlock and that's what I'm going for. Um, I really, like you said, I try to think about the type of person I want to play. Oh, I've been playing a lot of overly flirtatious characters. So maybe I want to play somebody who's like, really reserved and like does not like to be around people like that's kind of how i started started like those basic basic Mm. personality traits especially in play by post games or voice games but play by post games where i have to write a specific way like what do i feel like writing today or for this game yeah and if you look at uh magic (laughs) the magic you discord you must be 21 to enter people because it's that graphic (laughs) no it's 18 (laughs) as long as you're an adult it's fine no yeah. yeah But yeah, I think it it really, like Ali said, it depends on the type of character. We all have like kind of defaults that oh, we, we fall yeah, back on. For but that sure. doesn't mean you're going to play that character every time. Um, for sure. And especially when you get, you know, there's a trope that they talk about a lot in like D&D and stuff that people do that. People will play the same character because that's what you learn to do. You learn to play a rogue. So why wouldn't you play a rogue every single time yeah, and just alter alter the personality a little bit, mm. you know, fine tune it. Oh, this didn't work last time. And I admit that that is easy and that is something that I, I did and a lot of yeah, people definitely do. Definitely if you're playing with a new group of people too and yeah. you're meeting them for the first time, you're going to want to play because I think the biggest fear in starting a new game is being the weak link or the new player yeah. is kind of having to ask all those questions and sessions, stuff like that. So, you know, well, you're the one who learned one move, right? I, yeah, I learned one move and that's all I did. I, that, that was it. And, you know, it, it took me a while to, to realize that like, all right, well, like what's holding me back? Like everybody, everybody knows you're a new player if you're a new player, right? Like they're expecting you to ask questions. And if you don't ask those questions, you're ultimately doing a disservice because you're, you're going to mess something up. They're going to have to correct you. To yourself and to the player. And I've been playing these games for especially D and I've been in the same game for three years and last night I was playing totally messed up. My DM had to correct me like four times on something. He was like, what? you, you didn't, you can't do that. Check the, check the radius. You didn't buy that spell. You don't have the money. You don't have the components. So like, you know, it's okay to ask questions. It's not like anyone's going to get, I mean, if your DM gets mad at you, they're a dick, but whatever. Yeah, find, <laughs> if that happens, find another DM then. Cause I mean, and granted, if it's like the tenth time they've answered the same question, then you're a dick. But yeah, you ob- <laughs> like you have to do your due diligence and kind of yeah. like if they tell you, hey, read up on this. Um, and Ali's always been really good about that kind of like, hey, these are the sections of the book if you have it to kind of look over. And yeah, that's kind of the bit. And, and I think that's another scary part for people is like, so I need and, to buy this book and read the whole thing. Yeah. And really, there's a lot of resources. I know and I'm a little extra sometimes, but I know when we started Magic U, I went through the book and I literally clipped pieces of it and put it in the Discord server so everyone could see the parts that I was super serious. Like, you need to know this because I'm not answering the question every single time yeah. that you guys have this question. And not that I might answering questions, but I'm not. Believe it or not, I'm not around 24-7, just like 20-27. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need some sleep. Uh, and I think the other good part about that is it kind of, it it sees where your player buy-in is and who's yeah, going to be your... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because if for they're not even sure. willing to do that, they might not be right for your game. You know, um, luckily, I, I've only DM'd once and it's it's with my friends and I know they're, they're buying because, again, we're creating the world together and everything. Oh my God, we turned my office into a makeshift studio yep 
This is a, it, this goes back to like our first episode when we talked about our addictive personalities. Oh my god! Where it's like so once we bad. decide we're gonna do something, it's, it's all or it's, nothing. Yeah, all or nothing. That's it. Um, I was actually gonna compliment Scholar for the same thing. Whenever I want to do anything, the second I say it, it's oh, I watched a video and I did this and I did this research and I bought this book. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I I go down the YouTube black hole. You all really the do. Time you where really it's like, do. Okay, I'll watch this how-to video, and then by the end of the night, I watch, like, a whole season of a campaign for, like, it's Sometimes it'd be like that, though. Yeah, and I have to do that because Allie is so, she picks up things so (laughs) fast that, like, by the the time I was comfortable as a player in Dungeons & Dragons, she was already, like, DMing multiple games and stuff like that. It's not that. It's just that I have an addictive personality, and, you know, whatever. You get it. Um... (laughs) Going back to making characters, uh, all that to say that we start the same way. We start with base characters, characters that you are comfortable with. Um, And as you become more experienced, or even if you just want to challenge yourself, I think it's cool to play characters that you're not comfortable with. And um, if I'll give an example, if anyone knows me, I am super squeamish, right? Like I, I don't like blood. Obviously, I'm fine at like D and D and stuff, but like blood is just not my thing. Uh, I don't like characters that are like violent for no reason, grotesque um, behavior for no reason. But I did play a cleric that died who came back as a warlock because I really liked the character. And I had to do some like unseemly things. Like I there was one time where I had to rip my own eyeball out. And like that was right. That was crazy. But, you know, it made me not uncomfortable as a player because I trusted the DM. But it made Mm. me uncomfortable and like took me out of my comfort zone to be like, well, I have to make these choices that typically my characters would be like, no, you'll never take me like that, you know? And this character yep. was like, nah, she would rip her own eyeball out to get her power back. So, you know, um, so I think that that's a, you know, something to work up to. But I don't think there's anything wrong with starting with personalities that you're comfortable with. And then... Absolutely. I mean, you're going to be playing that personality, so... And hopefully for a while. Like, hopefully your campaign lasts a long time that you're... Oh, well, yeah, that's... We could do a whole episode on... God. On the amount of times campaigns fall apart. And sometimes it's nobody's fault. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's everybody's fault. Yeah. yeah, it just, that's another hard part. And that's, yeah. I think that's, you know, why play by post has become so popular. It's a little easier with the schedule and stuff like and that. And it takes people, uh, it puts them in a comfort zone. Most pe- more people are comfortable writing than they are speaking. Apps, especially if you're in like a magic you server where you're, <laughs> there's like, there's <laughs> sex scenes and there's a lot of flirtation like yeah like you can't imagine people actually on voice being like please touch me there yeah and it's weird and if you have like a family or you know like you're married you have like a wife at home and you're you're flirting with somebody over the (laughs) over the a voice chat you know you're probably gonna have to explain that before yeah it's way less weird online we're not encouraging you to do anything bad but like whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like whatever join magic exactly you could get that fake girlfriend or boyfriend or neither it's it's definitely a lot of fun yeah my, mine's not even an actual person it's an NPC. i made an npc for his character can't even back chicks in uh games they had to create one for me <laughs> poor lonnie now we're gonna get you with misty oh my. <laughs> <laughs> anyway i digress um characters and then there is uh people don't like the trope of 
tragic backstories. But I think it's important that there is some sort of inciting incident because your character is an adventure, specifically in D&D, right? Yeah. Um, in D&D, you are an adventure. Whether you're beginning or you're level 10, you are on this journey for some reason, right? You're not just like a shoe shiner that is still a shoe shiner. Yeah, just living life. You know? Yeah. Um, that's more like Burning Wheel, right? You want to be a yep. shoe shiner in Burning Wheel, you can do that forever. You could literally do anything. Literally whatever. Anything you want in Burning Wheel. But in something like D&D, it's good to have conflict. And I'm not saying you need the tragic backstory of like, my family was killed and I'm getting revenge because, you know, yeah, exactly. that's a little tropey. I'm for it, but it's a little tropey. Um, but I think that a good conflict is always a place to start with character. It makes character interesting, makes people want to be invested in your character, makes you want to be invested in your character. Exactly. What's the point of living if you have nothing to live for? And it doesn't always have to be a past thing. It could be a future thing, right? Like what are you working towards? You want to be a king? You you want to be be, a goal? Yeah. You want to own a bar? You want to join a guild? You know, future things. Um, I think that is the second most important second step is what does your character want motivations mm-hmm. um and this kind of all goes back to burning wheel because all this stuff is in burning wheel without you having to actually do it what are your motivations what are your beliefs all that good yeah they, stuff. they burning wheel really forces you to kind of think yeah. think about it and that's why the other thing they, they don't call it character creation they call it a character burning because you're kind of it's, it's going to constantly change, change and evolve and stuff like yeah. that and that's that's the fun part, right? It's it's kind of you're you're living life through this character and kind of experiencing it, and uh, even even with a uh, burning wheel, with, like my NPCs, I'm realizing that as I play them and situations happen, or the players get in situations, my my NPCs are starting to change, like their beliefs are starting to change, or right. they come focused on different things. Yeah, I made a whole NPC like flirt with me. Yeah, and get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, almost got somebody killed. <laughs> Um, and then I think to round it out, that's where you choose your class and your stuff. Yeah, that's like the fun. You know, whatever fits. Yeah. If you're, you know, you have this certain personality, a lot of times personalities fit with whatever class and whatever race. If you want them to be, you know, combat heavy, you do this. If you want them to be spellcaster heavy, you go that direction. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the good, the really good part about D&D, especially for starters, is it, if it, it kind of gives you an outline of yeah, what you would be able sure. to do for each for class sure. and all that stuff. Yeah, and then race-wise, I think you can choose whether you want it to be part of your backstory or you want it to be mechanic, right? Like, there's a lot of times I choose races because I know it helps me mechanically because it'll give me, yeah, like, a exactly. higher charisma if I want to play a charisma character or whatever. Um, so that, to me, is how to build a character. Everyone builds them differently. I know a lot of people build them by stats and, like, min-max stats. Yeah, so. I think that's... I think that's what I did the first time or something Probably. like that. Because, again, it was just the part that I was worried about the most was, like, I didn't want to slow down How to the make the sheet, how to, yeah. yeah. and that part's also fun. There's a lot of, there's a lot to be said about, like, a point system. Cast being, fireball. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of fun mechanics that kind of come into play with that. And spells. I love spells. I know our game doesn't have magic, but I, I like magic in D&D. It's super fun. Um, I'm just intimidated by it. That's what, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was too. And then I did and I was like, I'll never go back. I have, but, <laughs> but magic is fun. Magic is good. Yep. So overall, I think that's kind of the basis yeah. for world creation. Obviously there's, there's a lot more details that go into it, but those are the overarching things you kind of 
got to think about and then everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah. Think about your story. Think about your people. Think about the world they live in, the politics, the religion, and the type of characters or groups of people that you want living in your world. Yeah. And if you're not creating the world together, if you're a DM creating a world that um, you're going to find players to play in, I would say definitely make sure you give a good description of what you're what the world is about so they know what to what kind of characters to create. Yeah. Well, speaking of games, <laughs> we're going to do our review now. Uh yeah. this When do we play? Uh Last Monday? Week? Monday? Yeah, we A we reviewed uh Unmatched game. Uh how did you find this game? So, uh I was at a game store and man, I've been seeing this game everywhere. It is like whenever I go into a game store, it's like on that like display shelf as soon as you mm-hmm. walk in. And the last time I was at our our game shop, um, when I bought this, the last time I was there, it was on the shelf again. And I was like, man, what the, like, whatever. And, like, the characters look cool, right? Dra- like, Dracula, Jekyll, and Hyde. But the way we actually found it was, is the Bruce Lee one out there? Yeah. So my dad Never is yet. a huge Bruce Lee fan. And we picked it up because we thought he was looking for some Bruce Lee card game. And then I was like, I think it was James Bond, but whatever. So Uh, my dad is super into Bruce Lee and saw that there. The guy there uh, at the game store started describing this unmatched game. And then we were like, screw it. Maybe my parents will like it. Um, And then I texted you and was like, hey, have a new game for us to play. Um, So that's how I found it. And also the characters are super cool. This is just one. Oh, I bought a new one. Did I text you that? I think so. I think if I did. you didn't text me that, I assumed you would have. I think it. I texted you. I went to mm. Barnes and Noble and I bought. There's another one with like some other cool characters. I was so excited <laughs> when I found out Bruce Lee was an because I'm I, also a huge fan. Yeah, not just like of the movies, but like his philosophy and everything. So, shout out to uh, Papa Cell for also being a fan of. Uh, Bruce Lee but it, it's amazing one of the interesting things to me is like you're you're playing you, like Medusa against Bruce Lee like people who would never interact it's not just like fantasy characters so uh the fact that they did that just opens up so many expansions I hope they do yeah so this one particularly is Dracula Jekyll and Hyde the Invisible Man and Sherlock Holmes yes um and then we also had Bruce Lee there's also I know there's a Buffy the Vampire expansion because that's also my mom's favorite. So you know what are the quins like? What are the odds that that happened? Yeah. Um, and I don't know off the top of my head the new one that I bought. I could probably pull it up because I'm pretty sure I sent a text to you. Um, mm. So gameplay, what do you think about this game? Let's let's just let's rate it on our one to ten inches. One to ten inches. All right. Um, so just for gameplay or overall for the game? Um. Overall, but the other characters are Medusa, King Arthur, Alice, and Sinbad. Which is amazing. Oh my god. It's I'm just an so amazing hyped. group. Yeah. Uh so I I'd, I'd probably overall give this I'd probably say eight inches. Eight? Yeah. I I'm with you. I'm probably gonna give it seven. Um, and I'll tell you why. I have one one qualm, and it's not even a real issue. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. No, it's not an issue. Um, it's actually the people I played with. They're a bunch of bitches, and they kept running away from me, so the <laughs> game took forever. <laughs> She's referring to us. I am. Um, no, that's the the only thing I have to say. I think the artwork is beautiful. Mm. I love the gameplay. 
I think it's super intuitive, super easy to understand, super easy to play. It's a little lengthy. That's the only thing. It's not a game yeah. you're going to sit down and like, you know, get a few rounds out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the one thing I will say about that is we we didn't end up playing on teams, right? Okay, so that, that's a good point. That's that fair. might that have extended fair. it a little bit, but right. I think even if we did that, we still, like, even, because uh, Bruce Lee's character could literally go anywhere on the board. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have any, like, minions or anything like that. It's just Bruce Lee. But he, he just moves so fast that if I wanted to run from, you know, two players, it probably wouldn't be very difficult no. to do that. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. So you play as a really cool kick-ass person. Yes. Um, and you have some sort of helper with you, except for Bruce Lee. He is his own helper. Um, so I played as Dracula and the three sisters and you have a main hero and you have whoever your helpers are. Uh, Sherlock Holmes has Watson, Watson obviously. Yeah. Um, Jekyll, you know, he's both. Hyde. He's Jekyll <laughs> and Hyde. Um, and you get uh, your own set of cards. And the goal of the game is to fight the other players and kill them. Super simple, right? Uh, you have a dial that lets you control your health. You have cards that you can play and it's just like any it's really like any card game it's yeah it's like a, and you have your uh your board and that's the other cool thing with the expansions they have different different boards yeah, yeah. and like this board is also two-sided you can flip it over yeah so it's can, like that um i don't know what they like that hex hexagon hexagonal type. type board yeah that's how you kind of move around so and i'm i'm a big fan of of games that kind of have like it's like a combination of a card slash board game me too like that huge fan it's always interesting to me and definitely anything with strategy i like yeah a lot of strategy um it's one of those games that the more you would play a particular uh character the better you would get because you would know the cards that you get um Mm -hmm. so yeah you get to you have two actions you can take um unless otherwise noted on a card or whatever and you basically get the options between moving fighting uh playing like an action card type of thing or drawing a card um so you know it's all about economy how you spend your cards how you spend your actions and yeah we did not play in teams and that it it is designed for teams when you have four players yeah so that probably did slow i i think again it probably all right it's a little bit seven and a half all right there we go you got half an inch um so yeah i would definitely and the other thing I like about it is I think they did a really good job of having the cards be relative, like be important to the character. Oh so, my God. Yes. Like same. be like water and so like, it's like a Bruce Lee card, oh, one yeah. inch punch. Like they, they did a really good job and even the mechanics of them, you know, because Bruce Lee, he's extremely fast and that's kind yeah. of his gameplay in the game is, you know, you hit somebody and then you could move again. And um, as annoying as it is for people who are playing with me, I used like every card almost has like add another uh, turn. That's fine. You <laughs> yeah. got stuck at the end of the game because you went through all your cards. I did. I didn't think about that mechanic of it. Yeah. And I, I ran out of cards and ultimately he just kind of <laughs> killed, killed himself. Killed yourself. Yep. Almost like the real Bruce Lee. Oh, I, I have so many conspiracy theories about that, but. Something about the sweat glands. <laughs> there we go. We, that's an old other conversation we had. But yeah, overall, I gave it a, I gave it an eight. Honestly, that that could possibly. I just want to see what they do with more expansions if it I think, stays consistent. Yeah, I I agree. The replayability for me is so high. That's yeah. that's super important to me. I think it's hard to find games where like replaying them over and over and over again is like really worth it. And this alone, I mean, you have 
take out Bruce Lee, you have four options right here of different yeah. characters you can play. And they all have a different game play style, right? So Dracula, only because I played that one, was uh really about like spreading out on the board and figuring out how to like move yourself because dracula can fly so i could mist form and go to like a different side of the board and if my sisters were anywhere close i got like all this crazy advantage for attacking people but it was really hard when you guys weren't near me because i couldn't do anything from afar and you went straight into character <laughs> just just wanted to fucking bite everybody <laughs> stop running from me i want to suck your blood that yep after every turn yeah uh it's not a game that you need to watch a youtube video to to (laughs) understand i did anyway but uh it's one of those the instructions are very simple and even the the card you have kind of has breaks down the steps for you which is always great when uh game systems do that oh my god yeah we were talking about how much we love those we're like oh these cards are the best yeah because it may you know it avoids a lot of questions and it gives you something to kind of look over and get used to the game while somebody else is going and why um, Allie yeah. reads all the instructions like I always do. Exactly. So I, I think setup for it hey was guys, like, let's read all this. We maybe spent like five or We really minutes. did not yeah. spend. And that is also important is when you have to read instructions, especially if you are the person in the group that reads the instructions to people, which I do yes. all the time. I always end <laughs> yes. up reading the instructions. You watch the YouTube videos, you get the basic idea. And then mm-hmm. I read the instructions and then everyone else kind of just listens. Yeah. I usually like Allie knows the rules. <laughs> I have weird like random information that ah uh, yes be like, i know this random oh yeah thing. by the way yeah, you can't exactly. stack that okay <laughs> most random stuff yeah whatever um also he gets his strategies from youtube i yes absolutely <laughs> yep i'm not listen i'm not ashamed i take people put it up there for a reason you right know? I'm, I'm gonna take right. as much as i can from it strategies um yeah and i think a, a lot of that also comes from any again it's the addictive personality things it's not enough just to like buy a game for me like i need to know everything about the game right i need to be the best at the game even though with the game of thrones card game i never got there and went all the way to new york to get embarrassed you're the best Uh, i i'm comfortable like i think i'm pretty good now (laughs) but then again i still feel like if i went to especially we did you know we fell behind on expansions and everything so i think we told that story in the first episode yeah, yeah. Oh, I, how you got your ass handed it to was terrible and it's it's terrible because I, I realized i didn't even mention it in the first episode but the person i played with um after i played the the deaf kid was the um was kind of the head of the youtube channel i watched who was like <gasps> that's so cool yeah so he was he was there and he that, that's how i found out about it and i i don't know why i thought it would be i think a part of it was just kind of like Oh, I, I watch him all the time, yeah. this and that, and you know, but he did not take it easy on me. I probably should have told him I was a new player. Um, but yeah, that's it. I'm going to a competition. Oh my god, the dream world! If if you could just get paid for that, <laughs> right? You know, no one would want to play with me because I get angry. But yeah, uh, overall, I would definitely recommend uh, picking. Oh, one hundred percent recommend. Definitely a ten out of ten on recommend. Especially during the pandy or the rony, whatever the you rony. <laughs> Um, yeah, 100% replayability, super awesome artwork, beautiful. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I was like, we were all taking our time, like staring at our cards when it wasn't our turns. I'm like, oh my God, this is so pretty. Guys, I just want to play this. I want to show you me sucking blood. Yeah. And that goes for all, like we have a very deep appreciation for kind of like, uh, illustration artwork when it comes to these type of things. Uh, not only does it make it easier. I mean, we have, uh, you know, our friend, one of our best friends is, uh, an actual like you know she works in california and uh on super big projects like critical role 
<laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to get her in trouble or anything, but she, she's doing a lot right now. So sh- shout out to Casey. We're so Shout out to you. Casey. We miss you. We love you. Definitely. She was a part of our original group. Yeah. 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 She, uh, she sleeps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, artwork, super important to us, um, especially because we have someone so deeply rooted in that community. So mm-hmm. we have an extra appreciation. I'm not saying I have a great eye for art, but we have an extra appreciation for it. Yeah, I think we definitely spend a lot of time on just looking at even yeah. even things with them. Like when I was going through things like the VTM and stuff. Yeah, because like we just, know what goes into it. You know, exactly. You know, I actually it. like look at the names of the people who, and that's the other great thing I love about the gaming community is that they they actually give people credit for yeah. stuff like that, and it's always like the the names are always on the illustration. Well, because it's so important to world building, yep. um, is being able to visualize it, and if you can't do it yourself, you know, I think I can write really flowery flowery words, but. To be able to draw it and put it on paper or screen mm-hmm. or what is so different and it, it really adds a lot it does to a character. So that is a huge plus for this game. Um really it, it checks all the boxes. It's easy to understand. Um yeah. lots of ways to replay it, lots of characters, which is great. Um, I know some people don't like expansions because they don't want to feel like they have to spend money, but you don't even need... There's not like a core set that you even need for this. You need one of these well, boxes. Yeah, exactly. You don't even need like... I actually don't even know if this is the core set. Yeah, so I don't... Yeah, maybe that's not even the right word for it because like, expansions are ultimately... You know, like you can't play the Game of Thrones card game yeah. without like the core. Right. Yeah, exactly. So th- this is more of like just different... You have options, different this, characters Yeah, you can the pick little, up. Yeah, the little ones like the Bruce Lee, that's a, yeah. I would say... It's an add-on more than an expansion. It's just an additional character. Um, But as long as you buy one of these big boxes, then you're good to go. You're good to go. Uh, You don't need anything else. You don't need any additional resources. I hate games where you have to like take out a pen or a pencil. Like, I mean, I love me some Yahtzee, but trying (laughs) to find like pens and stuff or Clue, same thing. Yep. Even when I go for the campaign I run. I don't even have the pen. I, no, you I, don't. I have to ask Allie all the time. Well, now she just has it ready. She have my own little. <laughs> you have a box, box, a box, pens, highlighters. Yep. Um, yeah, that's like the worst. So I like that there's nothing extra. Um, the box is so pretty. Like the the inside, it's super organized. Yeah, which they, was really you nice could definitely me. tell the creators cared about the product. Yeah, and, you know. I don't know if this was a Kickstarter, but it feels like a Kickstarter because it, does. it, it was. It's so well put together. Exactly. Um. Yeah, it is certainly one of the games I'd recommend. And I think we had a great time playing it and I didn't win. So that's unfortunate. And that's saying a lot that she still enjoyed it without winning. Maybe that's why it's only <laughs> seven and a half now. There, ten, that's, if that's, I won, ten out of ten. All right, we got the truth out of her. That's really what it was. That's because Mitch sucks and he cheats. <laughs> it's not fair. He's not here to defend it. Well, he is here, but you know. Hi, He's Mitch. He's in the other room. <laughs> oh, we didn't invite him. Get out. <laughs> He's a cheater. No, it was a lot of fun. Uh, just to go over this. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing this podcast every two years. Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It will not be another like, two years. What? Uh, we're going to be doing this weekly. Scala. Shout out to Jersey Media for uh, for hosting us. And, Thank you, know, you so contact. much. Um, this is helping a lot with my house. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to see if I had a price on this. It's probably somewhere around the $40 range, I would imagine. Yeah, it's probably, which again, just off of, because uh, what I look for and you know how, how much I'm paying for a game is how much I'm going to play it, and it does have a lot of replay value. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. So. Honestly, it's probably like 30. If I was betting, I'm going to bet 30, 35. Definitely a reasonable price. So pick um, it up. 
yeah, it's definitely not super expensive. I know that. I just don't know the exact price off the top of my head, and I will remember that for next and time. As always, support your local gaming communities. Uh, do local not pick businesses. it up. Uh, nothing against Amazon or Walmart or anything like that, but do not pick it up there if you do have a local game store you can get to, because uh, without them, you don't have a community to play at. Uh, everybody knows that game stores are a big part of yeah. the community. And it's really hard right now during the Roni. Definitely really hard now <laughs> during the Roni. Um, yeah, no. I don't look at me. Did go to Barnes and Noble. Although bookstores are dying too. So support bookstores. Well, yeah, I, I put those in the same category. Um, um I, that's also that's a whole nother sad topic. I of, yeah. Know. I try not to buy games at Barnes and Noble. I do buy yeah. all my books. I actually go to Barnes and Noble and buy them because it's also something you should do. I mean, I know it, it's sad. Like you go in Barnes and Noble now and it's like there's 15 people on laptops drinking coffee and there's one person actually reading a book. Right. Yeah. It, it's just why, why did you even come here to show people that you have a laptop or no, like, it's to drink the Starbies. Oh, I guess to drink the star. <laughs> everything's a <laughs> Um. So, yes, please support your local game stores. Um. If you are watching this from New Jersey, we uh, visit Time Warp a lot in Cedar Grove. Yes. Um, they're great to us. They took us in when we didn't know what we were doing. Um, they're super awesome. Uh, World's Dragon Horde, you haven't been to yet, but I've been there. It's That was the big one, right? Yeah, it's it's far from us, um, but it's super nice. Um, so support your local game stores and your small communities. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, well, anything else? I'm... I think I'm ready to good. go kick your ass in Game of Thrones. Here we go. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We will see you next week. Thank you.